This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up this hour, we'll check in with the winners of the Democratic primaries for the 3rd and 7th congressional districts. Plus, we'll dig into the results of the race for Illinois' Secretary of State. Throughout the show, we'll hear from our panel of political journalists for context and analysis. WBEZ's Dave McKinney, Lynn Sweet from the Chicago Sun-Times, and David Grising from the Better Government Association. First up, though, we continue our post-primary coverage by turning to the next showdown, the vote on the Democratic Party chair. Congresswoman Robin Kelly is seeking re-election for the role this summer. She's also representing Illinois' second district, which includes the southern suburbs of Chicago. And she joins us now. Hi, Congresswoman. Welcome back to Reset. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, I want to talk first about this primary election. What's your reaction to the results? Well, you know, we had good candidates running uh, throughout each primary. So whether it's uh, state or federal, I think we'll, you know, we have great candidates that will be able to defeat their Republican uh, counterparts. Any races that stood out to you? Um, Well, I mean, when I look at who's going to be my my colleagues, and there'll be new colleagues coming from Sherry Bustos' district, from the 1st District, the new 3rd District. So I, um, you know, was anxious to see who were going to win those races mm-hmm. So uh, and who was going to join us to fight the good fight. Yeah. Well, you ran unopposed in the Democratic par- primary for the 2nd District. The winner of the Republican primary, that's still to be decided. Mm-hmm. What do you see as top priorities for your constituents? Uh, always for us, uh, economic development, health care uh, is very important. My district is concerned about, um, you know, gun violence. Uh, I think no matter where you live, most people want a roof over their head, health care, edu- good education for their kids. They want to live in a safe neighborhood, and, and most people want a job. So that's how I approach my very geographically diverse district, which is urban, suburban, and rural. Overall, what did the primary election results tell you about where this party is headed? Well, I I mean, in some cases, the more progressive candidate won, but then there were cases where, you know, that was not the case. So I think that, you know, we're a big tent party, and the election last night uh, proved that. Nearly half a million people voted for state Senator Darren Bailey in in the uh, Republican primary for governor. He's going to face Governor J.B. Pritzker in November, as we know. Uh, how does the mm-hmm. Democratic Party reach those voters? I think that if they just look at the record of what the state legislature and the governor has been able to accomplish and what we stand for, we're not going to reach you know, all of those voters. And if you look at all the votes that the governor got, he received, you know, a lot of votes, too. So I think that if we, you know, and we point out what an extremist that uh, Darren Bailey and the other folks running are also, and that they're Trumpers, that uh, I, I think that will reach people. I mean, especially with having the January 6th hearing, hearing uh, going along also, that we cannot have more people like that that are so far to the right, and then are following, you know, Donald Trump. It's almost a cult. So what's the Democratic strategy then going into the fall? Getting our message out, touching as many people as possible, showing what, you know, what the alternative is. You know, you can vote for uh, abortion rights, gun safety issues, growing jobs, 
a better environment or you can vote for what they stand for, which is none of that. Mm -hmm. Are you worried about uh, a red wave in the general elections after last night's results? No, not not really. You know, I think that, you know, what has happened in the Supreme Court and uh, has shown people that we have to get out and vote and that elections have consequences and that we have a lot of rights that we need to protect. And, and and actually, our democracy, we need to protect as a person that was there on our hands and knees on January 6th. You know, I know how very important, but how fragile, you know, our democracy is. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, we just have to, you know, leave no stone unturned, uh, activate uh, volunteers that we've, you know, put together. Um, we, we're sending out uh, over, uh, I mean, emails and talkers and information and educating many, many of our voters every single day to get people activated and involved. Congresswoman, you are the first woman and the first person of color to lead the Illinois Democratic Party. You were elected last year to fill in the the remainder of uh, Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan's term. What have you learned during your time in this position? That we're a big state, that we're a, a diverse state, that uh, I know that people say we're so blue, but we cannot be fooled by that, and we cannot take it for granted that um, there were a number of groups that have felt ignored, and we've worked hard to in- help people to feel included. And uh, I've done listening tours all around the state to take in what the Democrats are saying. Uh, we cannot take anything for granted, but uh, I-, I think that there's a lot of people that want to uh, get back involved and that feel re-energized because of the things that I've been doing and my wonderful staff have been doing. Why are you seeking re-election for this role in the summer? Because uh, when I started, uh, when I ran, I said I wanted to be a part of a more active, present, transparent, diverse party. And we've started on that vision, but we have more to do. We, you know, we want to build the bench. We want to build volunteers. We want want to cultivate good people running for office. We want to make sure that we stay blue and that we have, we keep our democratic values uh, in Illinois. So, um, you know, we're we're off to a good start, but we want to do more. Governor Pritzker's campaign fund donated a a total of $350,000 to seven people who ran for the Democratic Party of Illinois State Central Committee in yesterday's primary. Right. Mm-hmm. The winners will choose the party chair. What do you make of that move? Those are people he apparently wanted to support, and some won and some didn't win. So um, you'll have to ask him about the move. That's Congresswoman Robin Kelly of Illinois' 2nd District. She's also the chairwoman of the Illinois Democratic Party. Congresswoman, thanks so much for making the time. Thank you so much, and have a great day. You too. Still with us are our panel of journalists, WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney, Chicago Sun-Times Washington Bureau Chief Lynn Sweet, and David Grising, CEO and president of the Better Government Association. Dave, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on what we just heard from Congresswoman Kelly. Well, that last question, I think, is is kind of the most germane thing because, you know, as, as uh, here at the table, Lynn uh, this morning did a, a pretty good analysis of Kind of the, the the fight between Pritzker and Senator Durbin about control of the state central committee, and that's important because it's you know that's the heart and soul of the Democratic Party of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Robin Kelly's future as chairwoman 
is is very much tethered to the outcome of that race. And I don't think we quite know yet how that thing is swinging and what her future is. But how important is this position, though? Well, it's a pretty. I mean, Lynn, you can speak to this better than me, but it is. It is. A, you know, symbolically, it, they're they're the cheerleader for the party. You know, I mean, it's it, it's a. Uh, you know, traditionally, like these 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 party chairmanships often align with whoever the governor at the time is, if if they're in power. Uh, on the opposite side, they're the, they're the opposition voice, and so you know, there's there's a, a symbolic value to that. There's also like a you know just a a, a political. Uh, uh, machinery aspect of it too, because they, you know, they get they get good rates on direct mail, which is sort of a very it's a very important piece of running any campaign. Yeah, and and so they have that that ability, and in, in, in terms of fundraising, Robin Kelly's ability to to raise money for the party has has been hindered because of her status as a as a congresswoman, and so that's been an issue that 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 some in the central committee have have you know tried to argue that that yeah. she shouldn't be there. Well, Lynn, as we mentioned, the governor donated to potential rivals against Congresswoman Kelly. How much infighting is going on within this party? Well, so you have on one side Pritzker. The other side, you have Senator Durbin. What You have Governor Pritzker, Tammy Duckworth, both who are on the ballot in 2022. On the other side, you have Dick Durbin and Robin Kelly. And they also donated uh, to about a dozen candidates, about 65,000. So we don't know who won or lost and the party is also important because they do things like get out the vote drives that benefit everyone, and that will be very important going into the fall. So it's also important to have party unity now because Illinois is trying to land the 2024 Democratic Convention for Chicago. Yes. That's a decision of the Democratic National Committee. Uh, Illinois Democrats are also trying to get Illinois to become one of the early primary states so we're player in presidential politics, hey, that's another decision of the Democratic National Committee. So if you have a messy fight over the chairmanship, and Congresswoman Kelly is a known factor. She's been in the House a long time. So uh, I don't understand why this needs to happen right now. I'm going to report it out, as I'm sure we all will. The issue remains, as Dave just said, over some fundraising ability. But, well, as a practical matter, Pritzker just gave $1.5 million, and that is to his credit. They could have it. See, everyone who's listening, politics takes place often in multiple dimensions. So even though there is potentially a struggle over who the next chairman will be, mm-hmm. and, it can, and the universe is small, it will be one of 34 people. It's not like anybody could run. You have to be a member of the state central committee. And those of you who voted yesterday in the Democratic primary, you might not have noticed it, but these were offices on your ballot. And way down the ballot. Way down. Yeah. And you might not have realized what they were, but and or like, why the heck are they on an election ballot for right. government officials? But they are. Well, before we take a break, I do want to get your thoughts, David, on, on what Lynn just brought up. This comes as Illinois Democrats are pitching the Democratic National Committee to, to host the 2024 presidential convention. As regards the election, it's a lot more consequential when you don't have a billionaire governor who can spread a lot of money around for yeah. the statewide races. And Lynn's point about the stakes with regard to the um, convention is is really a valid point. And so you don't want to be caught in the middle of an intramural squabble when you're trying to present a united front in Washington with something that really does have some consequence. And so it might be that... Um, this would be a time to set aside that little fight in order to kind of keep your eye on a, on a much bigger and more substantial uh, prize. 
That's David Grising with the Better Government Association. Also with us is Lynn Sweet of the Chicago Sun-Times and WBEZ's Dave McKinney. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are back with more Reset. If you're just tuning in, we're spending the entire show digging into key issues and races in yesterday's Illinois primary election. Let's turn now to the 3rd Congressional District, which stretches from Chicago's northwest side to the western suburbs of DuPage County. State Representative Delia Ramirez won the Democratic nomination, defeating Alderman Gilbert Viegas of the 36th Ward and two other candidates. Now, in November, she'll face Republican Justin Bureau, who ran uncontested in the GOP primary. Here in the studio to help us make sense of the results is WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney, Lynn Sweet, who's columnist and Washington bureau chief for the Chicago Sun-Times, and David Grising, who is president and CEO of the Better Government Association. Uh, Panel, first, uh, can you just give us an overview of this newly created third district? Dave, you take this one. Well, yeah, I mean, as you point out, I mean, it stretches from Logan Square and Humboldt Park uh, in Chicago all the way out to West Chicago. You know, it's sort of a it's it's sort of like a ribbon that runs east to west. And this was a, a, a district that got created as part of the, the redistricting process in Springfield. And the desire was to create a majority Latino district. And that's that's what they did. They picked up, you know, areas on, on the northwest side that are heavily Latino. Uh, it went through, I believe, Bensonville, West Chicago, both suburban areas that have high concentrations of Latino voters. And so, you know, Ramirez uh, would seem to be the heavy favorite in that district. It's it's a it's a, a plus Biden district by by a substantial margin, I believe. So, you know, I think that that she probably is the odds on favorite to to carry that district. Yeah. Well, on the line with us now, I believe, is a state representative Delia Ramirez. State representative, welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and congratulations on your win. Oh, thank you. It's still settling in in many ways. How are you feeling about the the results? Uh, I'm feeling grateful, and I'm feeling excited for what's to come. Alderman uh, Viegas tweeted a, a statement congratulating you on the win. He wrote, quote, We need voices in Congress that will look out for working people and fight back against right-wing efforts to strip us of our rights. I'm confident she'll represent us well. Any words you'd like to share? He's right. I will. It's what I've done my entire life here. And I think that's what this election was about. Like it's a brand new district, an open seat, a district diverse in geography as it was racially in many ways. And the question on the ballot was, what kind of Democrat does this brand new district want to elect? to represent them in Congress in this particular moment. And what you saw in those results was a clear indication of what people in Wheaton and West Chicago and Bensonville and Logan Square were looking for. Someone who will fight like hell for working class families because that's what I've done my entire life. You're facing uh, Republican Justin Bureau in November. What's your plan leading up to the midterm elections? I'm going to, I said to people that, give me a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm still a state representative. Uh, My first priority in this moment is to get back to that state house and work in that house, make sure that we continue to expand the abortion care services that we provide in Illinois. We have a couple of bills that we're going to be debating in the coming weeks. That's the first thing. Secondly, I'll do what I said I would do, which is what I said five years ago. I want to host some town halls across the district to start really listening and building some of my advisory committees. And yes, I'm a nominee. 
Um, but I don't believe that you start the work in January after inauguration. Um, the work starts immediately after that nomination. And there's a lot to do. There's a lot of resources that we need to be um, working towards and bringing. And having been a nonprofit leader before a state legislator and having some of that policy and advocacy work has given me the opportunity to understand how we navigate those state and resources and the kind of advocacy I need to be doing, especially now um, as we're getting to November. But the other thing is, you saw, we just went into page in Wheaton, in Glen Allen. Some of the areas that are the most reddest or have been the most reddest, we dare to call this blue page. I'm going to be door knocking and making sure that we have a mandate and sending J.B. Pritzker mm-hmm. back to the to the to governor's mansion here as well and that latinos really all of us are getting out to vote in the general election um because the reason we have what we have in illinois is because of the democratic majority we have here how will you appeal to more conservative voters in dupage county the way that i've been doing the last seven months here's the thing what i heard people say to me was if now that I get a choice of what kind of Democrat, it's a 65% Democratic district, here's what I want. Someone with ethics, a full-time legislator, someone that's going to call out and is going to legislate against pay-to-play politics, mm-hmm. someone that's going to show up and going to make sure that I have the resources necessary to be able to retire with dignity. That's what I've done. And that's something that's important to the more conservatives as it's important to the most progressive. Good government, trusting your government official. So talk more about your your top priorities then, if you're elected to office. Of course, abortion care. Yeah. Absolutely number one. I mean, there's no excuse. We keep talking about ending this filibuster. The only way we move policy is understanding the politics and having the political will to do that. In this congressional race, hundreds and hundreds of people knocked on doors and volunteered and told their elected officials down the ballot here, but even other members of Congress, we expect you to work 10 times harder to finally end this filibuster and codify Roe versus Wade. We have to do that. I'll tell you, healthcare is another one. People have heard me say, my father's 71 years old. He is retired kind of, on Social Security benefits, but he can't afford his Medicare supplemental. I mean, the reality is that so many people in this country still struggle choosing between health care insurance and paying their mortgage or paying their rent. I am a unapologetic supporter of Medicare for all, and what that actually means is quality of care is accessible for everyone. That's going to be an absolute priority for me. My mother's on Medicaid as a minimum wage worker right now. And she tells me, yeah, $600 a month that she was paying for crappy insurance. She couldn't afford not being diabetic. So that tells me we have to have a better healthcare system that we have. We've, we've progressed. We have a long way to go. And then I'll tell you the other thing is economy. We have to invest in our communities. Uh, we have to make sure that um, people who are the child care workers or educators, those that are caring for our parents that are aging, in a country where 10,000 people turn 65 every single day, we have to make sure that the economy is working for all of us. We're 
getting paid, you know, living wages. So those are all the kind of things that I'll work on. Obviously, there will be specific proposals across the board. Yeah. But those are front and center. That is State Representative Delia Ramirez. State Representative Ramirez, thank you so much for your time and congratulations again. Thank you. Still with us, our panel of journalists, WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney, Chicago Sun-Times Washington Bureau Chief Lynn Sweet, and David Grising of the Better Government Association. Lynn, what stood out to you from Representative Ramirez? Well, let me decode what she said, because it wasn't obvious. And my column, as I have been saying lately, is called the Washington Decoder. So you heard her mention... That she shameless plug. No, no, but let me. I'm just. I'm saying this to explain what I'm about to explain. Right. So, and and she's. uh, She talked about the filibuster. She's likely going to be the nominee uh, in Congressman-elect because the Republican doesn't have much money, and as we discussed, a Democratic district. So, everyone who's listening, the filibuster is a reference to the Senate. She's just going to be elected to the House. Uh, this is not something that's easy. It's nothing that she will have any power over. And there are people who are organizing to put pressure on the Senate. Uh, we have two Democratic senators, as everyone knows, Duckworth and Durbin. Uh, they are not necessarily in favor of abolishing the filibuster. And certainly when you talk about a case-by-case uh one of the big discussions had been whether or not you could get rid of it for uh, immigration. But what I want to inject in the conversation is this. Right now it's a 50-50 Senate. It's very likely that the Republicans will take control of the Senate next year. If that's the case, is this really the time that you want to get rid of the filibuster? Because then you will take power away from the minority, which may be the Democrats, to even be able to stop or, or be in the deal. So that's the first thing I want to say. Uh, if her top priority is is the filibuster, I want to explore that more with her when I talk to her to see what she wants to do. Yeah. The other quick thing, when she said that this election was a choice to what kind of Democrats uh, are to be there, I think that was kind of a shorthand for saying that she, the voters knew that she was of the further left part of the progressive wing of the party, and uh, she takes her very good win as to saying that's what voters want. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are recapping the key issues and races of yesterday's Illinois primary election. With us are a panel of political journalists, WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney, Chicago Sun-Times Washington Bureau Chief Lynn Sweet, and David Grising, who's president and CEO of the Better Government Association. I want to turn now to the newly redrawn 7th Congressional District, which now goes from Bellwood and Oak Park, east to UIC to Navy Pier, and south to West Englewood. And we have U.S. Representative Danny Davis on the line with us now. Hi, welcome to Reset. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, congratulations, sir, on on winning the uh, Democratic nomination for the district. It was a very tight race, so I wonder how you're feeling. It was a cliffhanger, and... uh, I'm still hanging. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and I'm also delighted and grateful and have a tremendous amount of appreciation for my supporters, the individuals who hung with me in a tough situation, 
And because of our relationships over the years and the work that we've done together, we were able to prevail. Kina Collins said she was your first serious challenger since you were elected back in 1996. This morning, she tweeted a statement, and it read in part, quote, We showed them a young black woman from the West Side can take on the Chicago machine and stay sucker free. Our fight has just begun, and they can never ignore us. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't think anyone would like to ignore her. I don't think Ms. Collins will get elected to public office. I don't think her attitude relative to understanding the issues and problems and needs of the people. I think she talks a very boisterous game, and that's fine. I think there are a number of other individuals who will end up holding the 7th Congressional District seat before Ms. Collins. Well, let's talk about your uh, your constituents. What do you see as the largest issues for voters in the 7th District? Well, I think there are so many issues for voters in the 7th District. I think the voters in the 7th District are like voters everywhere. They want to feel safe. They want to feel free. They want to have decent jobs and work opportunities. Many of the individuals, especially the African-American voters, uh, their parents and grandparents migrated to Chicago from the rural south, and they've been struggling ever since. They've been in the area designated as the 7th District. At one time, it was a booming, booming area because we had plenty of jobs and work opportunities, but the school system didn't really keep up. Those jobs are basically gone, and the other jobs require skills and and training that many of the individuals did not get. Therefore, they've had a problem, and they still have had a problem. The seventh district is 40% black voting age population, So we are a district that includes Chinatown, Greek Town, Old Town, Michigan Avenue, and of course the core West Side, Inglewood, and the Western Suburbs. So there are varieties of people, and all of these issues are important. Well, you know, one of the biggest criticisms from your opponents, Representative Davis, uh, was that it's time for change, right? You've been representing the 7th District for almost 25 years now. So what do you think needs to change? I think the changes that are needed need to change all over America. A One single area, one part of a city is not just that area or just that city. We need national laws that will provide and protect every bit of the population. Uh, Ms. Collins was not known in this area. Nobody knows her. Matter of fact, they still don't know her. Even people who voted for her don't know her, don't know her supporters, don't know where the enormous amount of money that she had access to came from don't know what it is that people want to happen with it, and quite frankly, 
don't know her. That is U.S. Representative Danny Davis. Representative, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you indeed. David Greising of the Better Government Association, your thoughts on what we just heard from the representative? Well, it's interesting to see him focus so much attention on Keena Collins, who uh, did run a, an energetic campaign and took him down to the wire. Right. Uh, it sounds like there's still You would some think it was a wider <laughs> margin than it, than it was, the way he was speaking. Yeah. Um, and uh, Danny Davis, uh, uh, you know, has served uh, with distinction um, over many, many years. Um, uh, his opponents and critics uh, wonder sort of what that has added up to in terms of legislation. How influential has he been? There were questions during the campaign about um, his voting record. I think he's missed about six percent of. Um, the votes that he faced, he, and he pointed out, well, he's faced thousands of votes in the uh, 14 or so terms that he's been in Congress, yeah. and um, he's been there for the important votes. Um, the voters obviously took that into account and, and sent, are sending, uh, seemingly sending him him back. Um, the question for him, as with any congressperson, it's a two-year term. He's looking ahead to the next election, it, it sounds like, mm-hmm. um, in talking about Keena Collins in this way. Uh, it does seem that she caught on in the district. And as I said earlier, um, I think she may be a force to be reckoned with in the next go-around, but we'll find out. Well, Dave McKinney, uh, the representative received endorsements from, from key Democratic leaders, right, including President Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. How much of a boost do you think that gave him in the end? Well, I think it, it gave some energy to his campaign. I mean, I have to admit, I, I have not I, I have not followed the congressman's uh, election that closely, but mm-hmm. I, I I know that you know he's he's kind of an institution politically in Chicago, and and uh, he, you know there there's sort of a breed of politician that that has existed for generations here that where they you know they're carried out of office uh, on a plank, and you know very well Danny Davis could be that kind of politician where he just he stays to the very end, and mm-hmm. and and. Uh, you know that in some political minds, there's honor to that, but but he's. Uh, I think you know David raises a point about effectiveness. Uh, you know, being in Congress is a very grueling job, and uh, involves uh, you know missing weekends and travel and all of that, and that yeah. just that that's a struggle. Lynn, what do you think the results of this primary tell you about what voters want in the seventh district? Danny Davis is he he does show up he's on the ways and means committee and which is a very major committee in congress i i think it, this is a proxy fight as you had in the delia ramirez and gil viegas race in the third in a sense it's a proxy fight uh, on a larger scale for the future of the democratic party what, danny davis is one of the most progressive members of congress meaning wherever you think the center and left is up until you know recent times, a year or so ago, he would have been parked near the left side of the lane, but but that lane now has gone further left. So in one sense, this is a proxy fight. So you know, Kenya Collins talked about uh, establishment money and this and that. She had a good chunk of money from the Justice Democrats helping her, right? Just as Danny Davis had uh, outside money helping him. So the, she yeah. narrowly outraised Representative Davis. Well, well, she did, and. Danny Davis, with his fundraising ability, I suppose if he had put more elbow grease into it, could have raised more, but it turned out not to be important. What it's telling us is that you can't just use age as an issue. 
and again, with our listeners who have been with us since the beginning of the show, uh, the uh, David, the Davids and I do kind of go back. There was once a congressman named Sidney Yates who represented the North Side, and one time in a primary, the main uh, beef against him is he's old and I'm young. Remember, there is a candidate named Barack Obama who once challenged Bobby Rush, basically saying, I'm younger and going to be more energetic. Yeah. I think what it says is that you need more to it. And here again is my cheater's proof. Bernie Sanders so often is the candidate of the youth movement, and he could be people's grandfather or great-grandfather. Yeah. You have to have a vision, an articulated message, and a cause to say right what you're for more than this guy's old and I'm young. Hold that thought there, Lynn. We've been speaking with Chicago Sun-Times Washington Bureau Chief Lynn Sweet, WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney, and David Grising of the Better Government Association. They're sticking around for more of our post-primary coverage. Still ahead, we're going to hear from the winners of last night's primary for Illinois' Secretary of State. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are continuing our breakdown of last night's primary results in Illinois with our panel of political reporters, and we're hearing from some of the winners, too. Let's turn now to one of the other closely watched races, and that's for Secretary of State. Longtime incumbent Jesse White is retiring, leaving that position open for the first time in more than two decades. On the line with us now is Alexi Janulius. He's the former Illinois treasurer and won the Democratic nomination last night. Alexi, welcome to Reset. Uh, thanks for having me on. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. How are you feeling? What's on your mind? Uh, I am feeling very tired. Um, I bet. A lot of adrenaline, very excited, and it was just great to have uh, so many supporters and family uh, around me last night. So I'm, I'm, I feel great. Yeah, so we had uh, 81% of votes counted. You won about 53% of the vote. What do you think made you stand out from the other three? I honestly believe that our policy positions... Um, and our policy proposals are what put us over the top. We were endorsed by every newspaper that made an endorsement, and that was based on our policy proposals, our modernization efforts. We've been beating on the drum to modernize the office, um, you know, to make it work uh, better for everyone, to enhance the, the customer experience of the Secretary of State's office, to reduce the lines or skip the line program. Um, digital IDs and driver's license. It's always been about public policy. It's always been about how we're going to make people's lives easier. And then, you know, our our talk on ethics reform and, quite frankly, this fight for vote rights is, is the biggest threat to our democracy that we've seen in a very long time. And I think that resonated with people. Why do you want to be secretary of the state? Why do you think you're the right candidate to take on this role? Well, I'm the only candidate uh, who's held statewide office, and I'm very proud of the work that I did as state treasurer. Uh, we added programs to help people buy their first home, start their first business. We went after credit card companies that went after college students. We cut our budget every single year I was in office. We ran a great office. I'm very proud of that, and I want to bring that same innovative leadership, energy, and ethics uh, to the Secretary of State's office. My very first day in office we passed the most wide-ranging, comprehensive ethics package in state government, and I want to do the same thing in the Secretary of State's office. I think people people want leadership. People want to eliminate the time tax, cut the bureaucracy, and do everything we can to make people's lives easier. So you believe that your role as uh, the former tre- treasurer of Illinois, that, that prepared you for this one? Uh, I do. I really do. I think having the... the, the the experience of, holding, of having held statewide constitutional office is important. Uh, I think 
you know, my time in the private sector over the last few years, it's seeing what technology has done on the private side. Um, I want to bring some of those uh, technological advances to state government. Um, you know, other states are ahead of us. We've fallen behind. For example, the, the state of Louisiana has digital driver's license. The state of Arizona is the ninth state to have people's IDs and driver's license on the Apple wallet. So when they go through TSA, they can use their phone. There's so many that not, none of the proposals we've made are reinventing the wheel. It's technology that already exists. So we just want to implement it. I've, I have the experience of having implemented it on a statewide level, and I think that's why we were able to have a, a victory last night, and I think it's, it was substantive, and I hope that it remains substantive. So you think what we need to do is modernize? Modernization will be at the forefront of every single decision we make. You know, you, what we can do is cut the foot traffic at our DMV by 50 to 70 percent, and we're also in charge many of your listeners may not know this, but we're in charge of corporate formation and business registration in the state of Illinois. In a perfect world, we cut foot traffic by 50 to 70 percent, and we turn our DMVs into business service facilities, a place for entrepreneurs, especially in underserved communities, uh, where they can learn how to start their first business, expand their business, understand the difference between an S-Corp and a C-Corp uh, and an LLC and the tax implications of that. We want to bring small businesses back to Illinois. We want to help businesses expand. And we're also the state's chief librarian, so we want to use the library function to focus on civics uh, civics literacy, financial literacy. There's just so much, as you can tell, I'm sort of fired up about this office. There's so much more yeah. we could be doing with that office. That's Alexi Janulius, the Democratic nominee for Illinois' Secretary of State. Alexi, thank you for making the time for us. Thank you. I'm honored to be on your show, and I hope everyone has a wonderful afternoon. You too. Let's turn now to the winner of the Republican nomination. Bloomington State Representative Dan Brady joins us now. Welcome to Reset. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. Congratulations to you as well for your win last night. Thank you very much. Yes, we're, we're very excited and very happy with You still there with us? I think we might have lost Representative Brady. So while we work on getting him back, I, I want to turn back to our panel who's still with me here, WBEZ's Dave McKinney, David Grising, president of the Better Government Association, and the Sun-Times Lynn Sweet. Uh, reaction to what you just heard from Janulius? He's fired up. Uh, there we go. Uh, he's he's uh, he's pretty confident. It sounds like, uh, and you know, you've got two uh, two people there who have some familiarity with the political process in Springfield and have have some smarts about how to do things. So it's, it'll be an interesting race. I mean, the Secretary of State. You know, we all know about them through our driver's licenses and the like. Right. Four thousand employees there. Uh, it's a big office. It's a politi- it, traditionally before Jesse White, it was an office that was kind of used as a political stepping stone. Um, Jim Edgar uh, was a secretary of state, as was George Ryan. Both went on to be gov- become governor. Alan Dixon went on to become uh, U.S. senator. So it's yeah. an important office politically. For sure. All right. We'll come back to you, panel, in just a moment. I think we have State Representative Brady back with us. Are you there? I am, Sasha. Sorry. We, we had a little technical difficulty there. <laughs> no problem. You were telling us about the uh, the excitement on your team. It is. It, we're very excited. We were very honored by uh, the vote plurality last night. Uh, we were very excited about the uh, momentum that we have, that we had going into the election, and now that we definitely have coming out of the election as the Republican nominee. And just the many things that we've uh, been talking about and have to look forward to. Uh, it's just an exciting time and a time that keeps you obviously uh, energized and motivated, and that's what we're doing today, spending a lot of time uh, actually in the Chicagoland area talking to folks such as yourself and uh, thanking voters. With 87% uh, of the votes counted, you won almost 77% of the votes. 
Did you expect to win by, by such a big margin? Well, I was very flattered by that. Uh, the, the, the margin, I did not know. I felt good going into the race. I didn't feel overconfident, uh, but I felt good. Um, in my travels across the state of Illinois, there was one theme that um, I was consistent with, and that was making sure that people knew I was not part of a slate. I was not recruited for the office. Uh, this is an office I've aspired to, and people related to that message, and they related also to the many ideas that I talked about. And what I also did was a lot of listening from the constituents across the state of Illinois um, that uh, deal with, obviously, this office, which affects more people's daily lives than any other constitutional office in the state of Illinois. Yeah. We just heard from Alexi Janulius. I know you were listening along as well, State Representative. Correct. You'll face him in November, of course. What's your plan for the general election? Well, I think my plan certainly is going to be uh, obviously starting out and surrounding yourself with good people like I had in the primary. Um, look, I was I was uh, outspent uh, and I was out fundraised, but I wasn't outworked. And I think that's going to be certainly a blueprint that I'm going to copy and, and have in the general election uh, because that's quite frankly what I'm known for now. It's a bigger bigger stage, obviously running statewide than uh, has in my legislative district. But it's certainly something that the Republican voters uh, responded to. And then I think another area that is going to be so important for a general election is the way that I can uh, relate, uh, interact with, and earn the respect of uh, those who might be on the other side, the Democratic side, or more independents. And I think that I appeal to those uh, individuals and certainly uh, can cross those barriers and be a Secretary of State for all the people. So if you are elected, what would be your main priorities? Well, it's it's what I said earlier from the standpoint of this office, you know, touching more people's lives in Illinois than any other office, and that is from the driver services side of things. How are we going to not only uh, increase the uh, modernization, if you will, digital um, uh, technology, uh, all the ways we can cut those lines and, and make it so people don't have to give up a Saturday to go to the driver's facility and take hours upon hours. Now, in this age of technology, there's many things that can be done um, to cut those wait times, to make the office more efficient, to do more things from a technology standpoint. <clears throat> However, one of the areas you can start is by fully staffing those facilities, making that a priority, cross-training individuals that uh, are employees there, and actually learning from them, uh, who, I've, who I've talked to a number, of their ideas of what they see on a daily basis and how it could be better. And so I also have a leg up on um, my opponent from the standpoint of being the representative who's been part of the budgetary process for the Secretary of State's office and know about a $474 million budget and know over $10 million we spend in leases alone for 96 facilities roughly. All those are going to be very, very important factors to provide the best service to uh, the people of Illinois. That is uh, State Representative Dan Brady. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great 4th of July and happy Independence Day to all. You too. Panel still here. All right, let's let's turn to David Grising here. I want to get your reaction to to what we just heard from both winners. Well, uh, it's an interesting race. Dan Brady is a sort of centrist Republican type, as he indicated. He, unlike Darren Bailey, he's trying to reach across the so-called aisle in politics. Uh, what's also interesting is that um, uh, he had endorsements from the Chicago Firefighters Local 2, from the Illinois Fraternal Order of Police State Lodge, and the Illinois Education Association. That's interesting. Whether those hold in a general election, we'll have to wait and see. But it does indicate that uh, 
He's got, and the fact that he's up here in Chicago <laughs> indicates he intends to run a statewide race and and appeal as a moderate, the way Illinois Republicans have gotten elected in the past. Yeah. It's quite a contrast. Alexei Janulius is a well-known name. He's got a, a fair amount of money behind him. Uh, he's going to give it a, a good good fight, too. They're both saying the same thing. They want they to modernize are. the office. Both mentioned cutting wait times at the DMV. Uh, Janulius mentioned uh, modernizing, going digital. Uh, Brady talked about uh, making more hires, making, you know, fully staffing them. Yeah. And and so I think what it might boil down to is who really wants to do the job and who wants to use this position, as Dave pointed out, as yeah. has been in the past, as a stepping stone. There are questions about Janulius's bigger ambitions. Dan Brady, you might think if he gets secretary of state, that might be a capstone. Yeah. Well, to that but, end. Uh, yeah, but, go ahead, well, Dave. I, I mean, I think, you know, Brady, to, to build on your point there, I mean, he the, the Republican bench in Illinois, just it's it's the bench has been very thin, you know, for because they just haven't had these statewide offices. And, you know, for the party to get a toehold on this office in particular, if Brady can pull it off, would be a major accomplishment, a major win for Republicans this year. And and what you know, for, for listeners who are kind of zeroing in on these two conversations, the thing that's impressive about Brady is that he uh, he, he has a working knowledge of the, the office budget, you know, because you know, he, he's he's a, a high-ranking member of the House Republican leadership in Springfield. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of credibility. He's put in his time there. He's done his homework. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, and I think, you know, Alexi is uh, also, you know, he had some good ideas there that uh, uh, probably would resonate with a, a fair number of people. Yeah. So, um, Who is against the weight lines in the DMV. <laughs> wait, wait, repeat that, Lynn. I don't think we got your Who full statement. Who is against cutting the weight lines? and the driver's license facilities. Right. But, Which do you think will resonate with voters more, Lynn? Well, I don't know yet, but here is what's interesting about uh, Brady. One, he ran against the Griffin slate, when he, uh, that, and that worked. So when we think of the backlash of it within the Republican Party, of not wanting somebody imposed upon them, whoa-ho, and he picked up on it when he said, I, I'm not part of a slate. It's also... Uh, in a sense, it's almost refreshing in all these polarizing times that he simply aspires to be Secretary of State. Uh, Lynn, he also beat Tom DeVore, who yeah. is the the lawyer who oh, no, represented. No. no, he beat uh, Milheiser. Milheiser, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. At, who was the U.S. Oh, attorney right. in DeVore Springfield? Is the AG race. Yes, I'm sorry. but he was yeah. part of the Griffin. But a credible State. candidate, nonetheless. John oh, Milheiser, yes. a, a new, a but new face. But he never ran before for office. And, and never really got any kind of right. strong and, backing. And the Griffin backing. Slate thing was used against him. But here's what was remarkable about your interview. The lack of any polarizing rhetoric. So it will yeah. be interesting to see if they, if the Republican ticket in Illinois campaigns as a slate. Does It seems to me that Brady, uh, without saying so explicitly, he's yeah. here. Uh, if he just kind of goes around talking about what he talked to us— uh, it's different than if he's on a stage with Darren Bailey, so I guess that's what we'll see if they combine their forces and stump together. All right, let's quickly go around the table before we run out of time. What will you be watching moving forward? Dave, you first. Well, I think the governor's race is the one that, that just sucks the oxygen out of everything politically yeah. in Illinois. And, and, you know, will will Bailey be able to, to somehow, you know, put in a bottle this this charisma thing and sell it to voters in a way that, you know, builds on what he did here. I think that's the key. And and where does he get money from? Where does he get money from to run a credible campaign? That's going to be tough. 
Yeah. David Grising? Yeah, I, I agree. It's the governor's race that we all uh, need to focus on. Um, although these um, congressional races are very important as well, um, uh, the Democrats uh, face a really tough fight uh, in November nationally. And uh, if uh, if those who were nominated by the Democratic Party the rest is the nationally they're relying on the Democratic Party to yeah. hold and gain in Illinois, and that's going to be something worth watching. So a couple seconds here. What are you paying attention to, Lynn? Well, in Washington, I'll be paying attention to the the few the handful of congressional districts in Illinois that will be heavily contested. Mm-hmm. So that's my yeah. My watch. That's a my lot. Thing. A lot. A lot to pay attention to. That is Chicago Sun Times Washington bureau chief Lynn Sweet, David Grising, who's president of the Better Government Association, and WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney. Thank you all for sticking around through all this. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.